I worked for a couple of years before seminary for the U.S. Forest Service out in California. And I remember that because we would sometimes be far from home in the backwoods up in the mountains, they told us that if you ever got lost, separated from the group, um, and you couldn't find anyone, no matter how much you called out, like the last resort was just to try to find civilization, always go downhill. Because if you go downhill long enough, if you're up in the mountains, you'll find some creek or drainage where water is flowing down. And if you follow that down, eventually it'll turn into a bigger creek. And finally, it'll get you into some river valley um, if you follow the water long enough. And most big rivers have roads by them, and you can just hitch a ride with somebody, find out where you are, and get home. But it makes logical sense, hopefully, uh, uh, gratefully, I never had to um, use that advice, but it was comforting to know that, oh yeah, physics, water goes downhill. If you go downhill long enough, you'll find water, and water will lead you to people, <laughs> to civilization. Um, the River Jordan, specifically where Jesus is baptized, is actually symbolically in the Bible the lowest point on earth. If you go there, it's, it's uh, the river that flows into the Dead Sea, which is famously below sea level. Uh, it's the only sea below the sea. Uh, and for that reason, it doesn't flow out into the Mediterranean, which would be the closest ocean or sea near it. Um, it just kind of all goes from the Jordan, up from the Sea of Galilee, down into the Dead Sea and just evaporates. And slowly over, over eons, all of that sediment and silt and everything from the water has just concentrated in there because it has nowhere to go. So the, the Jordan, where Jesus goes to be baptized, is very low he even comes down from Galilee. It says Galilee's up north. It's up in the hills. It's a green, lush, verdant place where Jesus grew up. And he's going down into this deserted, wilderness, low place to be baptized by John. And the whole thing is meant to be symbolic. It is something that actually happened in actual fact. But symbolically, it's also the whole journey of the word made flesh from heaven down to earth down into our situation, our humanity. He has gone downhill all the way to the bottom. And John sees it. John, the forerunner, the prophet who knows who Jesus is, maybe not all the way, but certainly more than most people, he recognizes him. He's the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make the way for the Lord. He sees Jesus, says, I shouldn't be baptizing you. You should be baptizing me. And this, by the way, is one of these things in the scriptures where we're like, this has to have happened. Otherwise, why would they have included it? If the gospel writers were trying to make it seem like Jesus was God and he came down like a lightning bolt and all he did was miracles and rise from the dead, why would you include some story that was so confusing? Like, baptism is for sinners. Even, especially John's baptism wasn't even miraculous. It was just a mikvabath, a, a symbolic act that you were doing to say, I'm turning from my old evil ways and trying to obey the Lord. Why would Jesus, if he's the son of God, the sinless one meant to save us from our sins, why is he being baptized? And the answer, which is what Jesus gives him, doesn't make all that much sense. I've been in Bible studies where we've tried to work out like, what does it mean when Jesus says, allow it for now uh, because it's fitting to fulfill all righteousness? And you try to work out what that means. I think it's almost like meant to be confusing. Because this whole situation is backwards. And that's the point. It's meant to, like, shock us. Because somehow, in God's righteousness, in his justice, 
it does make sense for God himself, God's own son, to stand in line with a bunch of sinners in the lowest place on earth and to do this ceremony, do this bathing in a river, just any old river, might as well be any old river, it's symbolic in the history of Israel, but that he's getting down into that water with us. It doesn't seem just. It doesn't seem right. We're the sinners. We're the bad ones. We're the ones that need to be washed. But he's in line with us, in solidarity with us, down in that place. And of course, Jesus comes back up in this dramatic way. He ascends out of the water. And you can almost picture him like with his long Jesus hair all glued to his face by the water, right? And he's like squinting and he's trying to wrap And all of a sudden the heavens are just like gaping open, torn open. This little bird comes down, the Holy Spirit. And then this booming voice of the Father, this is my beloved son. And all of a sudden people realize like, oh yeah, this isn't just some other dude in line to get baptized by John. This is obviously someone special. Like heaven is talking. And he hears this voice. And this is the completion, in a way, or a foreshadowing of what's going to happen on the cross and in the resurrection and the ascension into heaven, is that the word has come down from heaven, from the Father, just as it did from all eternity. The Father begat the Son. He spoke the word. And now he's come in flesh, in our humanity, down to the very bottom, to the murky waters of the Jordan. And he's come back up to take us with him, to take our humanity, back up into heaven. And when the Father looks at the Son, who does he see? He sees us, because we have stepped into that same water. That's the point, brothers and sisters, that you've been baptized. The very fount of all life has stepped into a river on earth and made that water holy. He didn't need to be made holy by the water. We do, though. And when we are dipped in that water, when we're baptized, we take on a new identity. Not just as one of God's billion children, billion sons and daughters, but one with in his only begotten son. And so you walk into this church, this little chapel, or any Catholic church on earth, and you dip your little finger into this water, and you make the sign of the cross. You affirm again your identity. You remind yourself of who you are. Say, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's the name I was baptized under. That's my family name. That's who I am. I am the Son. In the Trinity, this relationship that's being revealed in this great event of the baptism. And so when we don't feel that, because sometimes it sounds very abstract, all of this talk of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and and Trinitarian, self-giving, self-emptying love, what's on display in Christ and in the sacraments, and if we have eyes to see it, where do you find it actually? You go downhill. (laughs) When you're lost, you go downhill. Go to the water. Go where he is and meet him there. In your own spiritual life, there's this great talk at SLS uh, a couple weeks ago. Helen Alvarez talked about how She looks for things in the places she's always left them, like the spatula she always puts in the utensil uh, drawer. But her husband doesn't put it in the utensil drawer. Sometimes he puts it in that little drawer under the oven or wherever, and she has to look in places that she hasn't looked before. If you're looking for Christ, 
If you're looking to hear that voice that tells you who you are in Christ, go down. Sometimes to places that you don't expect to meet him because that's exactly where he is. In his righteousness, in his justice, he's found it right and just to meet you in the lowest possible place. In the depth of your humanity, in the most inner part of your heart, that's where he is. And you can hear that same voice which says to him and says to you in him, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. 